back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. Y'all know who it is. I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom. My guy, Alex Lott. Fresh off a trip to Tampa Bay. Looking at some real estate in the area. I'm jealous of you getting to join that TB12 hype train in this incredible playoff run. But what's up, brother? How you doing? Doing good, Steph. It is it is nice to be back. You know, the weather back here in Baltimore, where I am now, isn't quite as good as it was down in Tampa. But uh, yeah, Steph said it moving down to that area soon. Couldn't be more excited. Um, and more recently, fresh off giving myself a haircut today. I've been my own barber through quarantine. So <laughs> if I missed a spot, call it out in the comments below. But man, I'm hyped to talk Dynasty. We've been getting into these mock drafts. This is the first like normal podcast of just rolling through topics we've had in quite some time stuff so i'm hyped to get into a lot of players a lot of teams a lot of names here that have very very tricky values so this is going to be a good one we're going to talk player values we're going to talk strategy on today's episode i'm pumped but real quickly guys you know like sub do all the normal stuff but i also want to plug down in the comments below hit us with some of the dynasty topics and questions that you have Everything that we're going over today has been either asked in the comments previously, things that folks have reached out to us on Twitter. That's at Double Move Sport. You can follow us on there. We want to let you guys you know, tell us what you want to hear, what topics we want to get into, whether it's certain players, whether you're looking at some of your trades, some of the roster moves. But I want to start today's episode off talking about rookie picks. Now, I know for some of you more veteran dynasty players, you already know how this works. You've seen the hype cycle play itself out every single season. But I want to talk to you because we've been primarily a redraft channel, now shifting over to Dynasty. I want to talk rookie pick values, when to acquire them, when to sell them. Really, there's, there's two peak times when you should sell rookie picks. And we can get into roster construction. Obviously, if you're a rebuilding team, you want to acquire picks. Because those are assets that are not going to really ever decrease in value until the draft, right? A rookie pick can't get injured and miss the rest of the season. A rookie pick can't lose target share to a free agent that gets signed. So rookie picks, they're as safe as they come. And the times to sell them is when, when that rookie fever, when the dream, when you can sell someone that dream of, look, hey, man, we're on the clock. Don't you want to move up? And get your boy, Justin Fields. Ooh, Najee Harris is here at the 102. Oh, Jamar Chase at the 105. Like, you can sell off these young, un unproven players. Players that just landed on their teams. We haven't seen them play at the pro level. And you can move those guys for proven assets. Now, this all depends on where you're at as a team. We're going to talk a lot more about this every single episode, I'm sure. But to me, the, the, the peak times to sell rookie picks, if you're looking to move off of those and you are a contender, for, for example, would be right after the combine, which I talked about with Mike Lou last week. And it, it ended up playing itself out that way. There is no combine this year. So teams are going to have their own pro days. Who knows? Like I'm taking all these numbers that we're getting from these colleges with a grain of salt. Yeah. And I, I want to see the videos. I want to see the receipts on some of these 40 no times that we're going to see. I would not be surprised if there's some funny business going on. But the times you typically want to sell is when that, that post-combine hype is at peak levels. They're seeing the, the, we're all seeing the test metrics play out. And, and another one of your league mates 
She's a guy, let's say, you know, Denzel Mims, right? Had an incredible combine, really burst onto the scene. So that inflated for a lot of guys their their second round pick values. They want to go out and acquire those picks and they're willing to pay a little bit more of a premium than let's say during the season. The closer you get to that draft day, the more valuable those picks are going to be. People start sweating and they want to move up to get their guy that they've had circled, that they've been keeping their eye on throughout their college career, that they've seen in the combine. They're reading all the the articles and the the hype pieces on these players. And Alex, I'll, I'll let you get your two cents in here. One more thing I want to say though, actually two things. One, now is not a good time to sell because we haven't seen the combine and people don't know their landing spots. Steph, on the flip side, real quick to interrupt you, now's a good time to buy. Like obviously in season is a good time to acquire picks, but I will chip in here, hold that thought. I'm not just going to sit idly by here and let you rant for too long. <laughs> um, but now's the time to buy. Like people have these draft. The second that a name is associated with the pick, the second that the 104 becomes Najee Harris, like you said, or the 105 becomes Jamar Chase, value gets added. But if you want to have more picks, now is the time to trade those aging assets off for picks. Think about a player like, like a Melvin Gordon, someone like that. Someone who still has this name value might still have some fantasy football value as well, but is an aging asset. If you have him on your team and you want to pick up some picks, now is a great time to move him for um, a pick that is just a number and it's not associated with anything or with any player or with any team or anything like that. So before we get into some of this rookie hype, now would be the time, kind of like a last call, last chance to buy in on those picks. Otherwise, you're going to be paying a premium. So on the flip side, if you have picks, now's not the time to sell. But if you want to get in, you better do it here in the next couple of weeks or it's going to be too late. Well said. Well said. I'm, I'm not salty that you interrupted me because that was a great point. But there, there's one more, I think, a player from last season that really, really illustrates the landing spot hype that can be generated. And it's so fresh in our minds. We just saw it all play out. Clyde de lair Last year, everyone saw him land on the Chiefs, only running back taken in the first round. That propelled him into this debate with Jonathan Taylor about who should be taken at the 101 or who's the best running back for fantasy in this class. When we saw that maybe there's four or five other running backs, maybe even six other running backs in that historic 2020 class that you'd rather have than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift. Maybe even James Robinson. Now, CEH is somewhere in there. I put him right there with, with like Swift, but that's a conversation for another day. But that's just to say, look, these landing spots make these players a lot more exciting. You can sell that dream to someone. Go get those picks now. I like to acquire rookie picks from contenders, guys that, that want to try to make a playoff run next year. If I'm in a rebuild, here's some of the type of deals that I'm looking for. Sell a guy like you mentioned, Melvin Gordon. That's a great one. I think most dynasty players are kind of privy to to staying away from Melvin Gordon, his age. Some some you know, he he used to be a little bit more injury prone. Now he's a little bit more durable. Um, Philip Lindsay's a free agent. We'll, we'll talk about Melvin Gordon, but I'm thinking like you know, can you sell Robert Woods for a guy like DJ Chark and a middle of the second round pick? That was a move that I made in the off season towards the end. Or I'm sorry, during the season towards the end around like week 10. I thought that was a, a fantastic deal. Ended up playing out even better because the Jags ended up getting the, the first overall pick. Now they're going to get Trevor Lawrence there. Another one would be like sell Terry McLaurin for T. Higgins in the 208. That was another deal that I made where I'm in this kind of soft rebuild. In other leagues, full-blown rebuild. 
getting those picks during the season is the best time to get them. If you're watching or listening and you're like, dang, no one in my league would ever take that for Robert Woods or Terry McLaurin. Like Steph pulled it off in our league, a pretty competitive league as well. So he was able to make those kind of deals. I love what you did there, Steph. Trade an older veteran for someone younger with potential along with um, one of those rookie picks. So you've got a little bit of proven production, but then also the upside of a pick. So I love what you did there. And we'll get into this later in the offseason. But another thing I love to do and something I've started doing already, sending out some feelers in some of my leagues, is looking at some of the guys that really disappointed as rookies last season or as second year players, you know, if, if they're a bust, they're a bust. I know you talked about this with Mike Lou, but you look at someone like a Denzel Mims, you look at someone like even a Brian Edwards, even a Henry Ruggs. And you say, if I slotted them into this year's draft class, if I slotted them into the rookie draft this year, where would I value them? Would they be a second round pick? Would they be a third round pick? And I don't mind throwing out like a, late third round pick and seeing if you can pick up some of these talented guys that have already had a year in the league already had time to develop and maybe because they disappointed their price is going to be cheaper and worst case scenario you throw like a late third round pick out for them and they end up busting they're a bust but I mean uh, the hit rate on a late third round pick is so low anyway that doesn't hurt you and if there's draft capital there if there's talent there you could end up getting a second year breakout or a second year sleeper so something I've loved to do even Paris Campbell Mm. is a name I've targeted um, Michael Pittman, who had a solid year but didn't really break out. Throughout these picks, as people get draft fever and try to buy low on some of these young names that if they were coming out as rookies this year would probably be going in round two. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I, like One of the points you made with Mike I think is so huge is, is seeing rookies at least start trending in the right direction. You know, We talked about Henry Ruggs on that episode compared to him to yes. Jalen Ragor. Um, but to your point, like Michael Pittman, you bring him up, like he showed flashes. He was productive at times this season. Who knows how things go with the Colts upgrading the QB position with the Rivers retirement. Shout out to, to Rivers. Uncle Phil. Other guys would be like Chase Claypool. Like he's trending in the right direction, even yeah. as a rookie. Where I think Rager, Rager's a great, Rager's a great one too. He, he showed flashes, battled some injuries, but I think he still might have some potential there as well. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. New head coach. There's still opportunity for him, um, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Nonetheless, let's talk about some player values here now. One of the guys that underperformed by a lot of folks' expectations was our boy Lamar Jackson. Bummer. Talked about him a ton on this channel. But real quickly, I'm seeing his name get dragged through the mud on Twitter. I'm seeing these these spicy takes throwing L Jacks under the bus. For you, where is his dynasty value at right now? To me, I think he's still easily a top five quarterback. I mean, I look at Lamar and I look at the names around him. I mean, you're obviously taking Mahomes. Um, I think Kyler is in the conversation. I think Josh Josh Allen's in front of him. So Mahomes, Josh Allen are probably my one too. And then from there, I think Lamar, Kyler. Um, Dak Prescott, Deshaun. Deshaun Watson are all all in this middle tier. I think there's like four guys in that middle tier. Then after that, Herbert is very close after what he showed us this season. But I think Lamar is still in that top three to top five or six consideration. Just these mobile quarterbacks that get it done with their legs. Lamar, obviously, to the extreme compared to a Kyler, compared to a Deshaun Watson. Um, but Lamar Jackson is still young. He's younger than Joe Burrow. He rushed <laughs> for over 1,000 yards for his second consecutive season. Um, he's a touchdown machine with no true number one wide receiver, even though the yards aren't quite there. So Lamar Jackson, to me, is still a smash play as a top five guy, a smash pick 
um, in the first round of your Superflex draft because with the rushing floor that he provides, he still gives you, one, a huge floor at the quarterback position, and two, the massive upside. So this year didn't change a lot for me. I know it was a disappointing season from the standards we had based on what he did in his MVP year, but he showed enough um, of his game with with his legs. Um, you know, the passing could, you know, could he improve as a passer? Yes, but he also needs a number one wide receiver. Check out Steph's video on our channel about the Ravens needing to sign an alpha wide receiver one. If the Ravens go out and pick up one of these big name free agents, it could be a totally different story for Lamar Jackson in the passing game. But, you know, I think he's going to continue to improve as a passer, even if it's slightly year after year. The The rushing floor, the rushing ceiling is still going to be there. So I don't want to hear any more of the Lamar Jackson slander. No, it might not be a, oh, do I take Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson conversation anymore? He's not quite there, but he's definitely right there in that next year. Yeah, we were seeing him in the offseason go at the 101 in some of these startups. And I don't think anybody was was debating that too hard. Um, I think we all thought there was some regression to be had after the 36 touchdowns leading the league in 2019. But even then, Lamar Jackson's shown that while he's not going to throw the ball the most in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination, he's probably going to be towards the bottom, if not one of the lowest out of a, a guy that's going to start for 15, 16 games. What he's shown is that he's hyper-efficient through the air. A 26-9 to 9 touchdown interception ratio in 2020. And he sucks, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and Lamar was still taking deep shots downfield where it's like, if you just give him an alpha X wide receiver, give him an Allen Robinson, give him a Chris Godwin, give him a Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. He was number four in the league in air yards per attempt. Like he, he was trying to force a ball downfield. They just didn't have like Hollywood Brown. He's a, he's a one dimensional field stretcher, but he can still get it done at times. We saw some of those big plays, especially when it, things would break down and it was just scramble drill time. Like in that Browns game, on that fourth down, fourth and two, coming back out of the locker room, throwing a dot to Hollywood Brown, he takes it to the house. Like, I only see room for improvement. I don't see any reason why Lamar Jackson wouldn't rush for another 1,000 yards next season. I mean, you're getting RB2 numbers, like 11 carries and 100 yards a game, pretty much. Something like 80 to 90 yards, I think, is the exact exact number there. I have to spot check that. But, I mean, you're getting that every single week, and then you're adding the, the passing premium on top of it. So, probably have him at like four or five. Um, I'd probably put him ahead of Deshaun Watson right now just because of the uncertainty with Deshaun. But, I mean, both of these guys are absolute studs. And and see if if the guy in your league – Yes, by low, for sure. Is, is willing to sell. Like, if you have to sell – Russell Wilson plus to get Lamar Jackson, absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. I'd easily sell a mid-first, a mid-first plus um, for Lamar Jackson. Easy. Honestly, Steph, good question here. In a super flex league, would you trade the one-on-one for Lamar Jackson? So essentially Trevor Lawrence for Lamar Jackson. I want Lamar Jackson right now. Lamar Jackson is a a game breaker. He's proven. He's He's done it. He's a game breaker. He's proven that he's, he's proven it. He's done it. He's got the upside. And he's what? I don't have the number in front of me. Probably one or two years older than Trevor Lawrence. So give me Lamar there all day. I definitely would trade the 101 for Lamar. And last thing I want to kind of put away on Lamar Jackson too is, oh, he's a rushing quarterback. He's going to get hurt. That's such a lame fallacy. That's been proven that it's wrong. Every quarterback gets hurt. You actually are more likely to get hurt as a quarterback from getting hit when you're sitting there in the pocket than you are on a run. And Lamar Jackson is one of these guys that's just cut from a different cloth. He's not taking big hits. He's getting out of bounds. Russell Wilson kind of built this blueprint 
of not getting hit as a quarterback. We see everybody adopt that now from Tua to Baker to, I mean, Deshaun Watson. Like, all these guys are not trying to take big hits anymore. I think Lamar Jackson does a great job of that. So I don't see his his injury probability being higher just because he runs the ball 11 times a game. So another quarterback that I, another guy that's getting dragged through the mud right now. I think the theme of this episode is guys who underperformed by dynasty players' expectations in 2020 and saying, look, is this a guy that you want to go invest in? Are you out on him? And the guy we need to talk about is Tua, Tunga Viola. Man, a lot of people are just leaving Tua for dead in fantasy. And, yeah. and I think next year he's going to be one of these guys that can be a late-round flyer in redraft leagues. I mean, man, even in Dynasty Startups, I'm seeing him fall fifth, sixth, seventh round. There was that report that came out that the Dolphins players don't think two is good. Like, what is going on here? Buy the dip on a rookie QB. Not every rookie quarterback is Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. we got to give these guys time to develop. Tua was one of the most efficient college quarterbacks of all time. Granted, his receiving core was insane there with, like, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, Ruggs. Um, there were some other stud guys there, too. But... Are you investing into a or trying to put feelers out to buy them low like I am? 100%. I mean, this is a, a easy buy low to me. And honestly, what you said makes so much sense. Like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, even in past years, think about Baker's rookie year when he lit the world on fire. Like these guys have ruined, ruined it for every like normal rookie quarterback for so long. Rookie quarterbacks you expect no matter who they are, no matter Peyton Manning in his rookie year, comes into the league, starts, struggles so hard, face plants into the dirt. And now these guys are just coming in and lighting the world on fire and they're ruining it for everyone else because if you don't do that, you now suck and you don't get a chance and you get buried and they draft another quarterback in the first round next year or trade for somebody like we saw in Arizona. And we're seeing it now with the Jets, Sam Darnold, you know, argument can be made whether or not he got a fair chance um, given he had a couple more seasons. But like these young quarterbacks aren't getting the chance that they used to um, as often because everyone's expectation is for a first-round pick to come in and just go nuts right off the bat. So for Tua, no, he wasn't perfect as a rookie. Yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick sometimes looked better when he came in or looked like the savior of the Dolphins, but Tua showed a lot to me. He had some very efficient games. He was able to get it done with his legs off that hip injury. Um, was able to be fairly mobile, was able to lead the Dolphins to wins, which is the most important stat in the NFL. Mm. So for me, Tua is definitely a buy low. Like if there are people that are frustrated with how he finished or, or didn't think he hit his potential or are pissed that he's not Herbert or Burrow, like I'm going out and easily trying to get Tua. I don't think I would give up, you know, an early first for him. But if I can give up a late first for Tua, uh, maybe even a combination of players uh, for Tua, like a, like a Derek Carr plus or something like that, a veteran quarterback plus something and pick up uh, Tua for his potential. I would love to make that deal. So I'm still in. I want to wait and see what we get out of him during a sophomore season. I'm not here to cast judgments yet. And honestly, based on what he did last year, there's enough reason to believe that he's good than there is to believe that he's bad. I mean, you really look at his game log. I'm not going to break down every single game, but you look at the quarterback rating, you just look at the stat line and then watching him play so much this season, just the games on the field, him leading that Dolphins team, he showed more good than bad to me. I know week 17 left a bad taste in people's mouth with all those interceptions, but you got to give Tua a chance. Let's watch the Dolphins bring in help on the O-line. Let's watch them bring in more weapons at wide receiver and see what Tua can get done. 
And you got to remember the weapons group around Tua was no nowhere near peak levels. Kind of like rough. it was, it was his best receiver was an injured Devonte Parker and Mike Kosicki, relying on Lynn Bowden to get double digit targets in some of these games in game scripts against like <laughs> Kansas City in New England, trying to pepper Lynn Bowden with targets, man. A guy who doesn't even play wide receiver until halfway through the season. You add that in, and then you look at all the Dolphins draft capital that they have. They have the 103, which could easily be Jamar Chase. They also have the 118. Yeah. They have the two, uh, uh, a second-round pick that's the 36th overall pick, the 50th overall pick, and the 82nd overall pick. So they got plenty of draft capital in the first three rounds to bring weapons in. Go check out Alex's video, the the Dolphins' perfect rebuild. You had Rondell Moore landing on that team as oh, well. Yeah. I lo- would love to see that happen there. A guy that's going to be super efficient, that Tua can just pepper with targets, take a bunch of underneath stuff. And I love that Baker Mayfield comp that you made. If, if you like Baker Mayfield this year and going into 2021, then you have to be a buyer of Tua because both of these guys – were super efficient in college. They had a very early first-round draft ca- draft capital. They had rough patches early in their pro career. And yeah, you're going to have to give me like a top three pick if I have Tua and you're trying to buy him from me in, in super flex leagues because I know what I have in him. And if you're heading into a rebuild or a soft rebuild, I think you can move an older proven quarterback like a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers for another proven skill position player and throw Tua in the deal so that way you get another quarterback back. Like, could you move Russell Wilson for Brandon Ayuk and Tua? Maybe. Maybe. I put some feelers out on, on Twitter. Um, the other guy would be like Cortland Sutton and Tua for Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think something like that is a very realistic deal that you can make to get another quarterback that could fill that gap. Maybe not quite like an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, but at least give you some of that value back. And then you get another stud skill position player as well. I like that stuff. I like that strategy a lot. Making some of those sneaky deals, um, you know, picking up a combo of guys, a combo of assets uh, for some of the older aging assets, especially in a rebuild. But next, let's talk about one of our favorites, none other than slant boy, Michael Thomas. What are we doing with him in Dynasty? Where does his value stand? Because... I know in our league, he never ended up getting moved, but there was tons of conversation. He was on the block for a while. The guy who had him didn't know how to value him. or did, So he ended up holding. He ended up holding Michael Thomas. Steph, after the crazy wide receiver one season, the record-breaking reception season, followed by a huge disappointment. I mean, he's got to be the biggest bust of the year, even though he was dealing with some injuries. What are you doing with Michael Thomas moving forward? Is he a top five wide receiver for you? Are you buying low? And if you have him, what do you do? Do you hold? If you have him, I I do think you hold because no one's going to give you the proper value that you should get back if you sell a Michael Thomas just coming off the season that he had. And I think a lot of it is due to injury. He's getting a lot of flack in all the social media outlets right now. You know, Carlton Davis calling him out on Twitter, like, oh, I shut down Slant Boy. It's like, all right, the guy had a high ankle sprain. He's getting off-season surgery to address it. Who wouldn't want to try to fight through that pain when you got Drew Brees potentially retiring after this season, trying to make a run in the postseason? Like, you're just going to fight through injury to do that. And I think that's what we saw from Michael Thomas. Didn't even see, what is it, four targets, zero receptions in that playoff game against Tampa Bay, which their, their secondary is nothing to laugh at either. I look at Michael Thomas right now. It's it's more of an exaggerated version, but like 
preseason Keenan Allen for 2020, right? Like a guy just turned 28. There's questions at the quarterback position, but it's a guy that's a physical freak. Like Michael Thomas is 6'3", 210 plus. He has magnets for hands. He's a target hog. He's still the alpha wide receiver on his team. And even if it is all slants, which it's not, like it's a funny meme, but I think if you watch Michael Thomas play, you can see he has a full route tree in his arsenal. Look at the games with Taysom Hill. Even if it is Taysom Hill, which like to me, there's a non-zero chance that it is Taysom Hill in 2021, the entire season. He saw more than 10 targets in two of those games with Taysom. Fantasy points for that four-game stretch was 19, 9, 19, and 16. And again, this is while he's he's not 100%. He's coming off the high ankle sprain. It's it's still Michael freaking Thomas. I think this is the chance, if anything, that you buy low, even if you have to spend a little bit more than you probably want to on him because he's another one of these game-breaking receivers or, or game-breaking player like we talked about with Lamar Jackson. Like that's Those are the guys you want on your team. Those are the guys that can actually take you to a championship. And if you're a contender, I think you got to get him. Uh, he's still a top 10 dynasty wide receiver, even if he is going in the late third, early fourth in, in startup drafts right now. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I might have to send out some offers here in a couple leagues after we sign off of this pod. But you said it. I mean, worst case scenario for Michael Thomas is Taysom Hill being the quarterback next year. But you even look at those Taysom Hill games, and he was an absolute target hog. I mean, you look at the stretch, he played six targets, seven targets, 12 targets, six, 11, and eight. So a couple lower games in there, but plenty of games with double-digit targets, went over 100 yards twice, and that was kind of like the worst of the worst situation. If it ends up being Taysom Hill, you might have to temper expectations, but he still should have value. If it ends up being Jameis Winston, I think that's a huge value mm. spike for Michael Thomas in what could be a voluminous passing offense. And it could be anybody else. I mean, they could bring in a guy in the draft. They could bring in a free agent. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Saints team. I was talking to, real quick, one more thing. I I was talking to a buddy who's a big Saints fan. And we were talking about some of the offseason moves that they're going to make after the playoff loss. And they have a lot of guys they need to re-sign on the defensive side of the ball. I can see their defense taking a step down because it has been so good, especially against the run. Mm-hmm. Um, their secondary is pretty good too. Like some of these guys, they're going to have to pay a ton and they're already negative as far as the cap goes. Now, I know that's kind of a joke at this point because teams can just move contracts around. Like if they're in a big market, they're going to find a way to sign their guys. But that's another thing to keep an eye on too. See how this defense evolves. If it's Jameis Winston and the defense takes a step down, I love Michael Thomas next year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that would be absolutely fantastic. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Steph, I don't know what the odds were before the season, but I wish I would have bet on you finishing with the same number of touchdowns as Michael Thomas this year because I would have made a lot of money on those odds. But the talent is still there. I know there's the slant boy thing going on and stuff like that, but the talent is still there with Michael Thomas. I think he's a definite buy. Um, and, and yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. Sean Payton's going to find ways to feed his studs. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, they're going to get the ball. They're going to get it done. Um, and whoever the quarterback is, they're probably going to try to lock in um, on those main targets rather than looking at some of those auxiliary options. They're going to lock into that number one read. So I like it. I'm with you. I think Michael Thomas um, will be back next year in a big way. With free agency, we could see the Saints bring somebody in. But that's another reason why you could buy him low. Like you're seeing rumors. Like I saw one that was like, oh, Juju Smith-Schuster to New Orleans. It's like, I hope somebody believes that because now I can get Michael Thomas for even cheaper. <laughs> 
Steph, interesting comp for you here. Allen Robinson in Dynasty moving forward or Michael Thomas? Allen Robinson in Chicago, but going to be a free agent. We don't know where he's going to sign. Obviously, coming off of a really good year. Who would you rather take there, A-Rob or MT? Yeah, guys are about the same age, late late in their 27th year. I would probably go Michael Thomas just because the ceiling – that Thomas has hit, like I know Allen Robinson is quarterback proof and he's a stud and he's certainly like in the top 20, maybe top 15. Michael Thomas is a top 10 guy because we've seen him, we've seen his peaks hit mm-hmm. insane levels. Like his 2019 is still like, we can't forget what he just did uh, just, you know, a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that one's close, but for that ceiling, I think I'd go Michael Thomas as well. So last topic of today's show, I'm excited to get into this one. It's something, Alex, you've brought up a couple different times now. It's this Dallas discount where, and and I don't know, because I I think some Dynasty players are going to understand, like, hey, this season for the Cowboys was an absolute wash. Uh, And a lot of people are still going to have Zeke as a top 10 back. A lot of people are still going to think of Amari Cooper as a guy with wide receiver one upside, but... What's your feeling as far as the value for all these guys? Do you, do you think it's worth investing in or, or going and paying up for an Ezekiel Elliott, a Dak Prescott? We don't need to talk about C.D. Lamb because I think we all just know he's a stud. He's great. But who who's a buy low to you? The easy one to me is Amari Cooper. I mean, we saw this guy in four games with Dak Prescott this year, four full games with Dak. Small sample size, but he was the wide receiver one. Um, 21.3 fantasy points per game in those four weeks. Then he fell off a cliff when you start getting into the the Ben DiNucci experience, the Garrett Gilbert experience. Actually, Amari Cooper was pretty solid with Andy Dalton as well. So even with leveled off quarterback play, he was still a start. So with Dak Prescott, assuming he's back in Dallas next year, we'll see what happens. I think Amari Cooper is an easy buy low because people are thinking of him right now in that like mid wide receiver two range, you know, the, the Amari Cooper stereotype is like super inconsistent up and down. But when he's played with Dak Prescott and been healthy, we've actually seen pretty consistent wide receiver one, top eight, top five level play from Amari Cooper. So no, we have been yet to see it for an entire season, but if Dak can stay healthy, if Amari can stay healthy, if this Cowboys defense can stay just as bad, I think it's very realistic to see Amari Cooper put together the best season of his career um, here in 2021. I really think the best is yet to come for Cooper. And even if you get the Amari Cooper we've seen over the past several seasons, still a guy that can be a wide receiver one. Yes, more of a boomer bust option, but the booms are um, higher than the busts are, you know, down in the single digit zero points. So I think Amari Cooper is the obvious one. Zeke's in that category as well. Uh, You know, I'd love to acquire Zeke wherever I can. People, actually someone in our league the other day, was talking to me and they said, yo, you know, we have Josh Jacobs and Ezekiel Elliott. I'm really disappointed. Like I really thought that was going to be a studly running back combo for the, for the 2020 season. And they really let us down. And I'm like, do you realize that Ezekiel Elliott and Josh Jacobs finished as the RB eight and the RB nine last season? Like it's, (laughs) it feels like they did so bad and they were so inefficient. Maybe it was a little bit of inconsistency and things like that, but they were still top 10 backs. So those are the workhorse level guys where you have to kind of like, look past what you felt or what you saw on the field, find people that think that they disappointed, um, you know, compared to what their expectations were and go attack those guys and buy those guys low. Yeah. Zeke was a guy who finished top five in targets and carries 
like top five in both at the running back position. We know what Ezekiel Elliott's role is. And this this was definitely a down year. At times I felt like, you know, he was just like, guys, I, I don't want to take the physical toll this year. We're not going to make a playoff run. Like, let's just let Tony Pollard get some shine. And maybe that's more narrative street, but we know what Zeke is. When he's out on the field, they're going to feed him. Whether that's through the ground, uh, on the ground or through the air. And this was a team that passed a ton. They were number one in pass plays per game thanks to the horrible defense in 2020. And, and back real quick on Amari Cooper. Guy's only 26 years old. How, it doesn't be seem possible, but it's true. It, it, it seems crazy because he's just been in the league for so long at this point. But, I mean, you're right. He, he's entering, like, the, the yes, you know, the, the peak age for wide receivers is like 27, 28. But... Dude, give me two or three years of high-level Amari Cooper production, putting it together for a whole season with a bonafide role and a massive, like, stable contract. With the dysfunctions in this offense, he was still top 12 in targets, top 12 in red zone targets, 12th in receiving yards, 9th in receptions, top 12 in yards after the catch. Like, doesn't even need to have a, a air-it-out, you know, type of quarterback to be productive. So whether it's Dak or somebody else, I'm with you on investing in Amari Cooper, especially if I'm a contender, because that's a guy you can get you know, next year and then for a couple of years beyond that. Uh, and you're right, I do think the value is depressed. Now, Dak, I think, is a guy that's in the top 10 for most folks in terms of quarterback rankings. We see him go second round in most startups, super flex startups, I should say. Do you have any concerns with Dak or are you just leaving him right at that value? I'm leaving him right there. You know, as a tiebreaker, I might lean some of the guys that are going to be around him. You know, we talked about that tier that's kind of like Lamar, Kyler, Deshaun Watson, and Dak. And I think right now I'm probably pushing Dak to the bottom of that tier just because of the unknowns. You know, coming back from an injury, um, the contract situation, obviously. So because of those things, I'll go to the other guys on the tiebreaker, but I'm still taking him over that next tier of like, Justin Herbert, um, even Joe Burrow creeps up there as well. Russell Wilson, those kind of guys. So Dak is still towards the top for me. I mean, if he stays healthy this season, we might be talking about him as the quarterback one um, on the full season. We forget he was on pace for like 6,000 plus passing yards and like 750 Ooh. attempts or something crazy like that. So with Gallup, Lamb, Amari Cooper, with this Cowboys offense that just has a ton of firepower and a bad defense – I think we could continue – like, they're not going to fix that. That's not just going to flip and do a complete 180 in one season. Maybe the defense improves. Maybe the offense takes a slight step back in terms of, you know, the pace they were on. But we're still going to see volume from Dak Prescott. That's what we've seen for um, the past couple seasons in, in the, you know, four four and a half games he played last year and all of 2019. It's what we saw. So – I still value Dak pretty high. If people are down on him, if there's any kind of injury discount, you probably could have bought low earlier in 2020, but you still might be able to right now. Now, probably the most polarizing player, probably on the, the Cowboys entire, you know, as far as their skill position players, it's Michael Gallup. And and listen to this, Alex. You know, we, we were talking about this a yeah. ton before the season. We were all over the Cowboys. Like, you were all over C.D. Lamb as a guy that taking the middle rounds that can be a league winner. I think for you, he was a startable fantasy asset in redraft and dynasty where you had him. We talked about Amore Cooper was on pace to be the wide receiver one. So was Dak. Zeke was balling out still. 
even with everything that happened this season in Dallas, Michael Gallup still saw over 100 targets. It, it, when I saw that, it just absolutely it's blew crazy. my mind because I assumed this guy was just getting nothing and was left for dead because CD and Cooper, namely CD, was taking all the target volume that he was getting. But we were so right about everything with this Dallas offense. It was going to be so high-powered because Michael Gallup can be a strong wide receiver too for any NFL team. He is an unrestricted free agent in 2022. Barely any dead cap space. I I think in a worst case scenario, like the the Cowboys would trade him. They wouldn't cut him. What are you doing with Michael Gallup right now? I, I think I'm trying to buy because folks are just too worried about some of the uncertainty with him and it, it's tough. Man, I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought this up. I've been trying to buy Michael Gallup low all season long. And the reason being is it just hasn't worked out for him in terms of the actual production. Um, we've seen Michael Gallup be productive, a thousand yard season just back in 2019. So you got to think like the targets are there. Um, the snaps are there. Steph, who do you think played the most snaps at the wide receiver spot in the NFL? Oh God, is it Gallup? No, it's not. It's DeAndre Hopkins. But guess who was number two? <laughs> Michael Gallup, which wow. absolutely blew my mind. He played the second most snaps at the wide receiver position in the NFL. So the snaps are there, the targets are there, um, the quarterback play will be back to being there, assuming that they do re-sign Dak next season. So everything's there for Michael Gallup. It just didn't, things just didn't go his way for the four games that he was on the field with Dak last year. He did have one blow-up game in that stretch. He's a lot more of a boomer bust guy, you know, those big stretch plays, the long touchdowns, things like that. But if there's a season where things just start clicking with Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup, he could easily, easily climb back to being a top 20 wide receiver. So right now people are valuing him as like a wide receiver four, a wide receiver five. He wasn't even startable there for a while. And if I can get Michael Gallup for a third round pick, give me that all day long. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to buy low. I'm trying to, to send some feelers out for Gallup, see just how low I can buy him. But I think he could definitely bounce back in 2021 and beyond. And luckily, if he doesn't next year, it's probably not going to cost you much. Um, and he's still young, so he still has time for, you know, time to become a more featured player in the offense. You think about Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb. Yes, it is crowded. Yes, Michael Gallup can seem to get phased out at times. But there's a lot of runway in front of this guy in his career. And as those pieces start to break up, as Michael Gallup, maybe we even see him switch teams here in a couple seasons. Um, I think the value is there. So I think the talent is there, and that's what I'm going to chase here. Um, so yeah, I think Michael Gallup's a, an easy buy low. He's, he's definitely a go up and get it type guy. He's a little bit raw coming out, but he's still only 24 years old, has now had two seasons with a hundred targets, had 1100 yards. Like you said, in, in 2019 finishes as, as the wide receiver 22 in 2019, you know, no, we're not saying like put this in the context of his of his ADP. Like we're not saying Michael Gallup is going to overtake Amari Cooper as the one there. But what we're saying is this is a guy that you can probably get for pennies on the dollar. And the second he starts to have a couple more of those blow up games, he's right back into relevance where he was. So I'm with you there on Gallup as a a buy low. Now I'm not saying go overpay for him. What would you give up rookie pick wise to acquire Gallup to maybe somebody who who is trying to 
offload him and get some picks and, and just take another shot. I definitely give up anything in the third round. Um, as we start to talk about late seconds, I think I might hold off for now. But if you can get him for a three, I think it's a smash. If you can get him for a veteran, an aging veteran, go ahead and offload those guys. Like I just trade, I just offered. <laughs> Literally, as you were talking in our league, Marvin Jones for Michael Gallup. Just Marvin Jones coming off of another big season, um, really blew up there at the end. People f- think of Marvin Jones as, you know, just being on a tear there. So I threw it out there. Production-wise, he was far better than Gallup um, this past season. So I'm hopeful that that gets accepted. If not, I might start throwing out some third-round picks um, this guy's way as well. So we'll see what I can do. But, uh, yeah, I think if you can trade a, a veteran like a – even like a T.Y. Hilton, I doubt people are going to bite on him. Cole but any of these older, yeah, any of these older guys that just don't have the upside, I'm willing to offer those guys out there. Um, no questions asked for a guy like Michael Gallup. The other guys I'm looking at here, Cole Beasley's on the older side. I think you can get a lot for Adam Thielen, but yeah, he yeah, is on I the older on side. Um, it's kind of tricky here without having you know this sorted by age, but. I love I love the idea of when you're putting deals together, just throw just tack Michael Gallup on at the very end of the deal. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely, hundred um, percent. Devonte Parker for Michael Gallup in a second. Yeah, yeah. See that with the second, I don't mind at all. But yeah, it's so easy in Dynasty to you know, there's all these big trades. Every trade has such a big implication because you're getting these guys for the duration of their career. It's so easy to add on a third. It's so easy to add on a player that's disappointing, like a Michael Gallup. Like this season, I was a contending team. Um, towards the end of the year, I made a big move to get DeAndre Hopkins. I gave up some first round picks. I gave, I gave up a lot for DeAndre Hopkins. In return, though, you know, we were negotiating and I said, you know what? Give me your two late thirds as well. And it was like, okay, I'm not going to get this guy was like, I'm not going to get held up by two late threes. And now I end up getting two extra third round picks in the draft. Maybe I throw those into dart throws in the rookie draft, but I could also end up flipping those two third round picks for another productive player, or at least someone with some upside. So in these trades, in these big trades, like don't be afraid to tack something on the end because over time, that's going to end up having a lot of value for your dynasty team. Last part of this Dallas talk. I don't even really want to bring it up, but I think it's worth mentioning in passing Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, to me, these are the same guy. They're, they're situation-based tight ends. I got to imagine Blake Jarwin does step into that starting role with just the contract he was given when Jason Witten left. But it's not a guy that I want to acquire in, in any league, even tight end premium. So uh, any anything to add on these tight ends? Like, they're just dart throws at the end of your draft when you punt the tight end position. No. Yeah, dart throws, maybe a scoop. I'd probably lean Jarwin as well. I think he's going to step into that role, but um, nothing more than a dart throw there, Steph. But one last topic I want to ask you. I know this isn't in our show sheet, but there are a few names that I want to address. And these are really court. Like at this point in the offseason, there's a lot of question marks. And a lot of people are carrying these kind of guys on the roster. Maybe they can make a move for them. But it's quarterbacks that could be starters and could be backups. You don't really know how to value them. Guys I'm thinking of like Gardner Minshew, like a Jarrett Stidham. Guys that you can see Trubisky. a path. Yeah, Trubisky. You can see a path to a starting role, or they've been the starter, but based on the draft capital that the team has, based on free agency, things like that, you don't know whether they're going to be a starter or not. How are you valuing these players? Like on my team in a, in a league, I have Gardner Minshew and Jared Stidham. 
either of those, like Minshew's probably going to be the backup in Jacksonville. Stidham could be the starter in New England. We don't really know. How do you value no. these level quarterbacks? Are these holds across the board? Are you trying to lowball for any of these guys, hoping that they become the starter and turn into something? Jacob Eason, I know we were talking about him earlier this week as well as a potential option in Indy. Are you trying to call your shot on any of these guys um, while their value is still low? Or in those situations, are you ready to just like be out and hold and leave everything as is until we get more information? You know, for me, I'm, I want I want talented guys. I, I want guys who can produce at a high level in the NFL on my team. You know, throughout the season, like I look at like a Marcus Mariota in 2020. It's like, yeah, he had that one game where he came in for an injured Derek Carr and he balled out in that one game. But that's not a guy that, – that's a roster clogger. So, yeah, you know, that just for me, that's not what I want to have on my roster. I'm trying to win the league in the next two or three years. And in some cases, like for um, like an Andy Dalton, like he's like a handcuff to Dak. I wouldn't cut him just yet, but assuming he's not taking any sort of like starting role or, you know, we hear like, oh, Dak's 100% ready to go and he starts week one. It's like, dude, just drop him to the waivers. Wow. Jacob Eason, though, is an interesting one. I- I'm holding on to Jacob Eason because the it sounds like right now, and, and I did actually – have Jacob Eason on my roster for a while. I ended up dropping him in the season to make space for other players that I wanted to pick up. But the Colts coaching staff, I know you're a big Colts fan. Like they, they kind of love this kid. And, and Philip Rivers was talking about how Jacob Eason has progressed as the season's gone on. I, in a worst case scenario, I could see them at least giving Jacob Eason a shot but it, I mean, I'm not trying to go out and buy him by any means. Yeah, no, I agree. I think probably hold off on those guys for me, like that that roster I mentioned where I have Minshew instead of. I might dangle him out there. You know, the guy that has the the 101 and is going to take Trevor Lawrence. Who knows? Maybe I'll try to get a, th- a three or something for Minshew um, or Stidham. There might be, you know, feel around in your leagues. Like, Steph, we talked about it all the time in the regular season. Sometimes trying to make trades can feel like another full time job because. You kind of have to like gauge trade value from everyone individually in your league. Everyone values things differently. Everyone's going to value different players differently. And if I can ask everyone in my league about Jared Stidham and find someone that believes in him and thinks he's going to be the starter, maybe I can find a deal there. I might offer him to somebody else and they're going to laugh in my face. But if I'm not a believer in the talent and from what I saw from Stidham this past season, not necessarily there as far as believing in the talent goes. If I can find someone to give me a three for him, I think that's a deal you can take depending on your quarterback situation. I mean, depending on what stage your team is in. Yeah, third, even a fourth. Yeah. Um, other guys that I like that, like, with, with some of these spots, like, I like to have a, a quarterback, um, just kind of a rotating, constantly churning spot. So, right now, Taylor Heineke's in that spot. I had Colt McCoy in that spot. I had, during the season, just different guys that I was picking up. I had Matt Ryan's backup. I can't even remember who it was because I was like, man, they're, they're going into full tank mode. Um. Like, it, it's okay to just keep churning through these guys. Maybe Tyrod Taylor's sitting out there somewhere. Um, Nick Foles was in that spot at one point over the season. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Always take upside shots at the quarterback position because all it takes is for a guy to just get a starting role. Like, if if over the offseason, maybe Washington drafts a guy, he sucks, and it's Taylor Heineke's team for the last eight right. games. Like, now I can move that for something – Whereas, look, if a wide receiver, like maybe a wide receiver three, a super deep name, 
starts to get some snaps and the guy in front of him gets injured, it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have fantasy value, but for a quarterback, it will, um, unless they're just absolute garbage <laughs> like Drew Locke. <laughs> uh, or Mason Rudolph. Oh, God. Well, uh, or Dwayne Haskins. Shout out to, shout out to the Steelers mm. for that signing. Yikes. Well, Alex, I think that's it for today's show. Guys, again, we're we're so amped up for where we're going as far as Dynasty this offseason. So exciting with these leagues. Want to get some startups, some additional startups going soon. We'll have more info on that. But again, if you all like the show, a like and a sub. Always appreciated. Keeps our wind in the sails here at Double Move Sports. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.